Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello, Serie A fan. Milan delivered the goods in the capital. Come unstuck versus Udinese San Zlatan, who's busy in San Remo, headlining a festival. Other headlines include Inter on top and flying, Roma can't build a freaking stadium, and Juve prepare for Lazio. All this plus your questions in this episode of Scudetto. Hello Serie A fan and welcome to Scudetto, your weekly roundup of top flight Italian football. Uh, so we've got plenty to get through tonight as we've had an entire two rounds of games since we last recorded. Although just before we get started, we wanted to join all the clubs in Serie A in paying tribute to Davide's story um, three years since his tragic death. So uh, lovely to see him projected on screens at stadiums around Italy. Uh, so, without further ado, let's introduce the panel. Uh, Kenny, how are you getting on this week? Yeah, not too bad, uh, considering I had a uh, milestone, uh, a milestone birthday. I won't, uh, I won't reveal which one it was, uh, but uh, yeah, it's been good. It's been good. We got some, uh, we got some food in, uh, so that was that was nice. Um, other than that, still in lockdown, but uh, looking forward to, to things easing up. Hopefully, in the in the weeks or months ahead. Uh, congratulations on the half century. Um, <laughs> Not that one. <laughs> uh, any uh, any news on the beer front? What's uh, what's new there? Uh, I have got a Stuart Brewing Mosaic Citra Hopped Session IPA. So it's uh, I've actually already opened it and I can confirm that it is very nice. It's uh, it is as the as the name suggests quite citrusy. Not too strong this week, uh, but obviously I yeah, had my uh, birthday session a couple of days ago, so just uh, taking it easy at the moment. Uh, it's got a lovely lime-coloured can, so hopefully a nice lime flavour. Good stuff, Boaz. Uh, how about you? Is there any any news on the beer saga? It's interesting that you ask. You may remember that I ordered these beers in January. Well, I decided to go to the physical location where I bought the beers. And it turns out this um, business has gone out of business in October. And they just haven't switched their website (laughs) off. (laughs) And they're still accepting. You can still order right today, right this moment. But they will never send these beers out. There's no one there. It's quite crazy. I mean, that is a definite dishonorable. I mean, can we name them? Or I'd rather not name and shame them in case, in case they send their hard men over. They have my address, remember? But um, <laughs> but it was quite disappointing to find out that I'm never going to see these beers that I carefully picked out. Yeah, I mean, our listeners are going to be distraught. Um, yeah, but at least we be... at least the saga ends. Yeah, that's true. You need to find a different solution, though. I mean, I say that. I'm drunk the same beer several times and even missed some weeks but <laughs> yeah and other than the beer saga how have you been getting on this week anything uh anything to report 
you haven't been vaccinated again, presumably. I have not been vaccinated again, but uh, due to my day job, I've been uh, watching Sanremo Festival every night. And uh, let's say it's been very interesting. Oh, good. We've got some questions about that. So uh, be be coming to you on on those. (laughs) Yeah, on my side, I've got a Stadin or Stadin. I'm not actually sure how you pronounce it. It's a Helsinki brewery, um, S-T-A-D-I-N. And it's an American pale ale. Yeah, it's good. It's quite quite kind of standard American Finnish American pale ale, which all the breweries seem to do. But enjoying it so far. Enough of that. Let's um, let's talk about football. Uh, we're starting with Milan this week. The Scudetto derby last week. Obviously, Milan came came out on top in a big game against Roma. But since then, drop points to Udinese, giving up ground in the title race. Yeah, it was a week of two phases from Milan. Uh, initially, there was a, a, an outstanding performance against Roma. The score didn't really tell the story of the game because Milan dominated in uh, several passages and could possibly have been 3-0 up by the first half. As it was, um, there were a few refereeing controversies in the game that probably tainted the social media narrative. But overall, as I said, Milan were very deser- deserving of the victory at the Olimpico. They pressured uh, Roma. Roma were dr- losing a lot of balls in front of the defense. And as I said, uh, I mean, Zlatan missed an open goal with an uh, exuberant back heel. And there was a couple of other pretty easy misses. I mean, Rebic set up Zlatan in an offside position when any other day of the week he'd be, he'd be taking a shot, as he proved later in the game when he actually did pulled the trigger and scored a very, very good goal. As I said, the, the Roma performance was a breath of fresh air. It was back to the Milan that we knew from uh, 2020. A lot of attacking play, a lot of runners getting in behind the lines. Another penalty, of course. And then it all came back, crashing back down to earth with the yesterday's performance uh, against Udinese at San Siro, which is a game that Milan, by, by all accounts, were expected to win. But uh, Udinese arrived in Milan with their bus and decided to park it in front of the goal. <laughs> and uh, they, di- they did what they, they... Their game plan was executed excellently. And to be honest, Milan couldn't really find many solutions. There was possibly a penalty shout against uh, on a foul on Kessie in the first half. And this is where I should probably raise this. that Now that Milan are getting all these penalties that... I mean, if you, if you check the penalties, all but bar two are pretty standard penalties but in any case now that Milan are getting these penalties there's a feeling that some calls that would usually go to their side are not going in their direction so there was one of these um, penalty calls in in the Roma game which even uh, Roma fan Marco on the Milan Obsession podcast this week he he thought that that might be a foul and again as I said in the Udinese game there was quite a hard pull down on Kessie that wasn't given but all was good because in the 96th minute, um, for no apparent reason, uh, a Udinese defender rose up and uh, handballed it in a very volleyball style. And so uh, <laughs> once again, Milan got a, a penalty and a draw. Yeah, I, I can't argue with much of, of what you said. Obviously, as a plastic Roma fan, I was a little bit disappointed. Uh, but obviously happy to see my boy Anton Rebic back on the score sheet. Mm. Uh, in terms of the penalty in that game, uh, we were talking about it, weren't we, Kenny? The, the, the yeah. uh, comical reaction of Fazio. Uh, not sure what he was playing out there, really. 
Yeah, I mean, straight off the bat, he probably deserves a dishonourable for getting himself uh, booked. I don't really know what the complaints can possibly be with the the penalty you see in VAR. It's very it's very clear that he it's a stamp. He stands on the on the player's foot. But I can understand in the in the heat of the moment protesting to to the referee. But the referee get, it gets called back by VAR. Uh, the referee correctly, uh, I mean, there's no debate about it, awards the, the penalty. And Fazio goes over to him after there's been this period of reflection, goes over to him and ironically applauds him and uh, picks up a, a booking in the first half as one of your centre-backs to do that. Ended up getting subbed off in the in the second half, but uh, just mindless, really. I, I don't get it. And this is something, this touches on the point I mentioned before. For me, if the Fazio foul is given as a man, as a penalty, it should also come with a yellow card because it's it he injures the player. If He didn't get that yellow card, so he allows himself to ironically applaud the referee, which in any case, in I'm not saying it's a good thing, but in Italy in the past, players have been given straight red cards for this. So he's walking a fine line and he's being a bit silly, but he got away with it, I guess. Yeah, as I was saying, he's starting to look a lot more like the Fazio that we came to know during his spell at Tottenham. But probably enough about that. In terms of positives for Roma, I mean, the Vertu goal was was uh, pretty tasty, wasn't it, Bert? Fantastic. And uh, Vertu is the first French player in Serie A since Platini, I believe, to reach uh, 10 goals. And uh, he's the first midfielder, if you don't consider that uh, Platini as a striker. But in any case... Um, Fantastic play. It has to be said that um, Tomori, who by all accounts had a really good game against Roma, his uh, his clearance goes to is quite a weak clearance, and it sets up Roma's move. But uh, now that I mentioned Tomori, another big narrative point in the Milan Roma game was the fact that Pioli decided to drop his captain Romagnoli, which uh, kind of raised a bit of a stir in social media. He'd been taking a lot of the flack for Milan's uh, recent performances, even though. Uh, in my mind, he was kind of a scapegoat because, yes, he didn't play too well. And in fact, to be honest, I also kind of singled him out a few weeks ago. But the whole the defense as a whole has not been performing at its best. So to single him out is a little bit rich. And also considering he's um, he's played with four or five different uh, center backs this whole season. So not exactly a very stable pair right now. Yeah. But I did feel that he was very, very exposed against Lukaku's pace. I mean, that was uh, Milan's undoing in, in that game. So perhaps maybe it was to protect him as much as anything, leaving him out, um, taking him out of the, the spotlight. He probably needed rest and um, he, he was back in the squad in the Udinese, in the Udinese game and he uh, contributed with a amazing goal line clearance, which looked amazing for with all the replays. But possibly the Udinese striker should have done a little bit better with his header and put it either side of Romagnoli. In any case, he didn't play too badly in the Udinese game. And he's certainly not at fault for the lack of bite up front from the likes of Rebic and Leao, who both seem to be on a really off day. And um, Hakan is still um, recovering from COVID. And as opposed to a lot of other players, he had uh, he's actually had active COVID. So um, He's suffering the repercussions, and I guess it's going to take him a while. That's kind of like Dybala, we, who we, we haven't seen for a while. Um, I, th- I think it's it's a whole different game for a professional when it hits you properly. Yeah, uh, so Milan go away to Verona on Sunday evening. I think they'll still be without Zlatan, will they? Uh, we'll, we'll come back to the uh, the whole San Remo 
festival in a bit, but he will still be absent for that game. I think he's uh, still out injured, which kind of works out great for him. And due to miss the Man United game as well, I understand. Oh, really? That's box office. I'm surprised he's uh, yeah. not going to be making well, He might make on. one of his miraculous recoveries. But uh, the last I read uh, yesterday, or it might have been the day before, uh, was that he was expected to miss that game. So that'll be a big miss for all football fans. Okay, um, so briefly on Roma, I mean, they've kind of had the opposite week to Milan, obviously the disappointment in, in their clash with them, but then bounced back with victory over Fiorentina. Wanted to kind of highlight Spinazzola's performance, uh, obviously getting on the score sheet at both ends, which is never ideal as a defender, <laughs> but I thought he had a really good game and uh, the goal he scored was pretty spec. I mean, pretty spectacular volley for a right back. I think he's, he's quietly been been one of their most valuable players this season in that position. And I think the own goal was quite a spectacular volley as well, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, I, it, yeah, I mean, it rifled into the roof of the net. I don't know. That and being harsh. Much. He didn't know much about it, did he? Uh, but while we're on Roma, we need to talk about the uh, the plans for that freaking stadium, which <laughs> uh, have been abandoned. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's not great for it's not great for Italian football, but I think they took this opportunity to um, kind of reassess uh, based on their statement um, the fact that the stadium was planned in a pre-COVID era, and that with uh, finances the way they are at the moment, it probably wasn't wasn't really a project that could be that could be realised. But at the same time, they've said that they're going to explore uh, various sites for the for the new stadium. Including, I believe, um, also continuing with the option of a stadium at uh, Tor di Valle, but they've kind of taken a swipe at the the mayor of Rome, basically saying, you know, they can't have the resistance to it that they've that they've had before. So basically, saying the stadium project wasn't viable, but uh, we should have been allowed to build it. So, <laughs> but I, I do I do totally agree with the sentiment that too much red tape let them get on and let Italian football get on and catch up with uh, with the other top leagues in Europe really on that front because to me that's all that's missing we've got all the drama we've got some real quality in Serie A we've had up until recently one of the the most exciting title races in Europe all that's missing I guess is that last ingredient to enable them to really compete uh, financially again and to hopefully become the best league in the world again yeah, um, but, but I was just written in the chat, frogs, um, which was obviously one of the initial stumbling blocks for the, the stadium construction. Was it they, they found an endangered species of frog? We we could do a whole episode about reasons why certain stadiums in Italy, including Roma and Fiorentina and a few others, are not getting rebuilt. And don't get me started about the stadium in Bari. It's ridiculous. And frogs was one of the reasons for one of the projects not not getting built so what a country yeah um so kenny you mentioned that um maybe the title race is, is starting to fizzle out a little bit um the reason that we haven't spoken about inter who are top of the table until now is because they've been playing against parma tonight we want to give you a, a little bit of a live reaction uh, they've won that game 2-1 um so extended their lead at the top of the table to six points what is it now six points it's starting to look like the title race is over isn't it, Kenny? Uh, it could it could get that way soon. Uh, I, to be honest, without wanting to preempt, I guess what we're going to speak about next. Uh, I think the last hope, really, for for a title race is the the upcoming game against uh, Atalanta on 
on Monday night, it's difficult to see if Inter take three points from that, where they're gonna where they're gonna drop those points, considering that um, Milan and Juve are both still involved in in Europe. Uh, so. <laughs> Yes, potentially. Uh, I think one thing to highlight is that this isn't, uh, it's not really a case of it fizzling out. This is a case of Inter absolutely hitting uh, an incredible uh, run of form, finding their strongest 11 uh, and doing all of that at the exact right time of uh, of the season. What we were 20, 23, 24 games in. So, yeah, uh, the the next few weeks are going to go a long way to to determining whether we're going to have a, a title fight or not. Uh, but that Inter side is looking very, very settled. And I think I mentioned either last week or the previous week on the pod that you look at that starting 11 and I can now see that that is the strongest. That is the strongest starting 11 in, in Serie A. We're starting to see that. And also with just these games coming thick and fast, it, it, that's the time where having that settled squad having that settled system is probably going to bear fruit. Yeah, but as I know, you'll be loath to admit this, but they have looked particularly strong, especially in the last couple of games, haven't they? Just uh, really getting it done in these these games against the sort of teams in the lower down, that are a bit lower down the table. Their record since uh, getting knocked out of the Champions League has been formidable. They've, they've been on a mad march. As Kelly said, Conte has settled on his... Uh, First 11, and uh, he's also putting all his eggs into this Scudetto basket. For example, in the match in Parma today, he played uh, three players who were already on a yellow. He said in his press conference, look, uh, wh- why would I start making calculations now? I've got the squad that I believe in, and if these guys get booked, I'll have someone else who can play in the role. And I think as much as we've criticized Conte over this uh, season, I think that's a really winning mentality. And Ultimately, the result at Parma today with Alexis Sanchez scoring two in the space of seven minutes in the second half pretty much uh, justifies his decisions. Yeah, and, and as we mentioned, they play Atalanta, um, probably the game of, of the weekend, although it's actually on a Monday night. What, what, what do we think of Atalanta's chances here, Kenny? Obviously, we've mentioned the amazing form that Inter in, but uh, Atalanta have been, been in pretty good run of form themselves. Is it four wins from the last five? And obviously, um, the 5-1... Um, yeah, yeah. So in City, yeah, four wins in a row. Actually, uh, I mean, we can say four in the last five. If we include that uh, Real Madrid game. Uh, yes, they're they're looking really, really good. One of the the bright sparks in the last couple of games seems to be the reemergence of Ilicic as well. Uh, I have to admit, I really, really feared for him when he um, for for his future at Atalanta when he was uh, on the bench in that game against Real Madrid looking absolutely miserable came on and uh, there were there were reports that Gasparini had given him an absolute mouthful when he turned around and complained <laughs> about a decision and said instead of complaining why don't you try and find something to do um and then was duly substituted off again after having been brought on but uh the last c- couple of games really he's he's contributed uh, immensely uh, and having an on-form Ilicic means having uh, one of the best players in the league on form, really. Add to that the fact that, uh, yeah, Piscina really, really seems to have kind of taken on that that mantle left by by Gomez. I saw, I think it was uh, the Atalanta News account was, uh, or it might have been one of the other uh, Atalanta fan accounts, um, was tweeting today that just the, the stats of Piscina in his last games and 
you look at the the amount of ground that he covers, which I think is a lot of what people talked about with Gomez with his uh, tutto campista role. The the amount of ground that he covers, he was he covered more ground than anyone else in I think the, the last eight or nine matches on the pitch, uh, except for that that last game uh, against Crotone where um, he was second, but but covered more ground than any other. Uh, Atalanta player so they're really really beginning to click it's not unusual for Atalanta to click at this time of the season uh, I think this is where Gasparini's real focus on fitness uh, that appears to have come in in previous years as well so yes a lot is resting on this game and we talk about the race for the Scudetto but um, let's not forget that Atalanta are still chasing that uh, Champions League spot they're looking good for it at the moment the results went well for them this uh, this weekend, uh, sorry, this this midweek and this weekend actually. So there's a lot, a lot to play for for Atalanta. They won't be going into this match with a sort of an eye on on Real or anything. It's uh, it, it should be an absolute cracker. It should be the game of the weekend, as you said. Absolutely. And uh, speaking of that that sort of race for the Champions League league spaces, uh, they'll obviously be up against Milan and Roma, who we've already spoken about, but also Juventus, who seems to be hitting kind of rich vein of form. Uh, obviously, most recently, a 3-0 win against Spezia. Uh, and Buzz, we, we were discussing this beforehand, but um, actually compared to Juventus sides at similar stages in the season, um, Pielo's Juve are actually comparing pretty well, right? Um, no, you're 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 being uh, facetious. Ba- basically, um, if you remember last season, the hashtag was trending Sari out. At this point of the season, Sari was had eight more points than Pirlo does. Two or three seasons ago, Allegri out was uh, trending, and Allegri had seventeen plus points on Pirlo at this point of the season. And even um, critically, there was a one in 2016. Uh, uh, Juventus had a particularly awful start. And uh, everyone was kind of uh, thinking maybe this is the season where they're going to drop it. But in the end, Allegri came through and won yet another Scudetto. And even in that supposedly abysmal season, Juve had five more points than they do right now. So not only is Pirlo not doing well in the table in the sense that he's not top, but also compared to his predecessors, he's not quite there. Yeah, and I was reading a stat myself today that at this stage of the season, in each of the last nine uh, campaigns where they did win, they had more points than they do at this stage. So it's not just uh, going back to, to 2016, it's going right the way back to when this incredible run of form uh, started. So it's not looking good for them. Yeah, and they've got an important game this weekend as well, probably the, the second best game of the weekend. Uh, they host Lazio in Turin. Who will be well rested? But they're looking for redemption. Yeah, of course, Lazio will be will be well rested, and and we should talk about the Torino no show. Obviously, it was initially reported that there was going to be an automatic three 0 loss and a one point deduction. Seems like this is not the case. Uh, obviously, Torino were forced to or, or were advised not to travel by the local health authority due to co- a COVID outbreak. Banned from uh, traveling, I believe. I think you were. I think you were right traveling. in the first case. Yeah, banned from traveling. Uh, I think they were in quarantine. So it sort of begs the question of, you know, we, we, we've, we've been through this before with the, the Napoli-Juve game at the start of the season, which um, point deduction and the automatic loss were rescinded. I mean, it, is it likely to be the same? It's likely to be the same situation with this game, isn't it? That it will eventually be rescheduled. It's a whole big pantomime that's going on in front of our eyes. 
and we all kind of know what's going to happen in the end. In, in the Napoli case, it was brought up to a, a different court, and in the end, someone justified that the local health authority has superior authority than some football league. And to add more spice to this whole story, the Fijici and the Liga Calcio are also disagreeing on this situation with putting out contradicting statements. So um, we all know how this is going to end. The game will be replayed at some point and uh, there will be more cluster in the schedule and people will complain about injuries. But this is the kind of season this is and I don't see any other way of going about it. I think in Italy, everyone is hyper neurotic about canceling a game and Everyone's thinking about their own point of view. Wait a minute, if Torino don't play two games, they'll be fresher for the next game. So maybe they'll beat us and not get relegated. But in other countries, you see that people are like, okay, this is a big external situation and we just have to all kind of come together. A good example is Everton earlier this season where the game was called off. There was none of this posturing that happens in Italy. And Aston Villa as well. It happened with as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I agree with you, Boz. It's a it's a complete farce. We know what the. I think every most people who weren't uh, who weren't Juve fans when the when this situation occurred earlier in the season uh, basically said the same thing. I mean, you've got to you've got to do the best that you can in the in the situation. And the fact is not just that Torino were banned from traveling. That the, the the players that were allowed to train were allowed to train individually until um, some point in the evening of the original date of the match. And then Lega Calcio said, well, we can play it the next day. And you just think, what's the point? You're making a farce of the league anyway if you're asking a team to go into a game having not trained together, just basically having been isolated with a football and doing laps of a pitch or whatever the hell you can do by yourself. I mean, yes, there is obviously going to be fixture congestion, but I raised the point that I raised earlier in the season. Why are we still trying to cram in full football uh, calendars? Why, why are we insisting because on Because the Euros, doing like... I guess. I mean, I'm not saying that it's justified, but I think that's the way they see it. But what I mean is... Why are we why are we playing the League Cup in in England? Why are we playing two legs of uh, semi-finals in in Serie A? The, the the football calendar has to be looked at as an entirety and has to be prioritized or had to be. I mean, hopefully everyone will be vaccinated by the by early on in next season and we can get back to normality then. But I mean, it, I think Italian football has taken it to extremes in their hardline interpretation of rules that were made like two months into a global pandemic that's gone on for two or three months into a global pandemic that's gone on for a year now. And in, instead of kind of being fluid and learning from things that don't work, they've just stuck to a rigid hard line. Um, I mean, to me, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, just to, to lighten the mood slightly, um, and while we're still on Lazio, uh, we, we should just give a mention to Mariki who made his entry into the Gagliardini challenge in the, I think it was in the the last game they played against Bologna, was it? It was the game against Sampdoria. It was late on in, in that game. We we actually, I think, meant to cover it uh, last week, but had such a packed schedule that we somehow managed to, to miss it out when it was one of the highlights of the week for me. <laughs> yeah, anyway, if you haven't seen it, check it out on YouTube. I think it's um, the... It's the it, it, it's, Strong contender. Number two for me right now this season. <laughs> we have the Living La Vida Loca challenge and this one. These are the, the two big challenges going down. Yeah, you can never you can never forget forget 
the uh, Gagliardini challenge in the, in the schedule. I don't know how we managed to do that. Yeah, um, and I mean, if we were awarding a bad week to individuals, he'd probably probably be up for that award. Um, but we obviously, we give it only to teams, so it's time for the good week, bad week awards. For the good week, the nominations we have, we've obviously um, spoken about Atalanta, uh, obviously bouncing back from that Madrid loss. Then, uh, as Kenny said, they're on four consecutive wins. They won 5-1 in their last game. They're a, a clear candidate. Um, Inter, obviously top of the league, opened up a bit of a gap. Uh, any other nominations from the panel? It has to go to Cagliari this week, hmm. I think. Does it not? I just feel um, justified. <laughs> I mean, so, yeah, since Di Francesco's gone, they've uh, picked up two two wins. Um, last week, I was saying, oh, it's looking bad. It's looking like they're beginning to be cut adrift. Uh, and now all of a sudden with Torino missing uh, two games, Cagliari winning two games, all of a sudden they're out of the bottom three. And it looks like we've got a relegation dogfight uh, up ahead again. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's partially Torino have two games in hand. Um, now, obviously, with, with the, the one against Lazio being probably postponed. But but yeah, two wins following the record that they've had. I'm uh, I'm happy to go with Cagliari. Uh, so congratulations to them. Good week. <laughs> Hopefully they can have a few more good weeks. They might stay in the league. And for bad week, I mean, <laughs> when you when you lose 5-1, it's, uh, it's it's difficult to stay out of the nominations for this one. It's undeniable. We When we did the preseason pre- previews for the three clubs who came up, we kind of mentioned that of all of the three, Crotone were the ones who hadn't really bought anyone functional to their system and also kind of seemed like a thin squad. It's proven right. And if I'm not mistaken, they're on record to break the most goals conceded record for Serie A. They also got rid of Stropa recently, which in my mind is a bit harsh because they're going down no matter what happens. And Stropa has built a rapport with these players for three years and he brought them up to Serie A kind of against the odds. And uh, I think whoever comes in and takes the job, and I think it's Cersei Cosme is taking it for now, they're going to have to contend with a really hard Serie B. And uh, yeah, it's, it's not looking great for Crotone after such a triumphant end to last season. Yeah, and you you also have to give a shout out to Fiorentina as well, who uh, yeah have continued on their theme of uh, being awful except for the odd half a football match here or there. But I don't have any complaints against Crotone. I think it's looking very very dire for them. Yeah, it uh, gives me no pleasure to award Crotone the bad week award. And there's um, always next week for Fiorentina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, okay, well it's the first episode of March, so we bring you our Scudetto. People have been tweeting in questions and sending us questions via WhatsApp and Instagram, and we will now do our best to answer them. So first up is the Tifosi Down Under, who asks, after the early season debate around the starting forwards for the Aduri, are we any clear as to who will start the Euros, which is now only a few months away? Uh, Kenny, you want to take that one? Yeah, I think uh, I think we're we're clear. Obviously, there's a big question mark about uh, Zaniolo um, when he will return, what state he will be in when he does return. Um, I think looking on current form, Insigne and Immobile worked really well when they when they last played together for the Azzurri, uh, and I think just given how much Chiesa has emerged uh, at Juve, 
for me, it's a, at the moment, it's a bit of a no-brainer. You start with Chiesa, Immobile, and uh, Insigne. Keep big Kevin Lasagna on the bench for a super sub. Well, on the basis B. of his Gagliardini challenge uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe you keep him in Italy. <laughs> I'm going to check you out the odds for him to, to win the gold boot. <laughs> um, okay, we've got one more from Tafosi down under, actually. We can all have a quick stab at this, maybe. So with 25 rounds in the book, who do we think is going to finish top four and in what order? I'm going to take this one first. I think it's going to be Inter, Juve, Milan and uh, Atalanta. Mm. Disagreements? Uh, I think it's going to be Inter, Milan, Juve probably and on current form Atalanta. So same four but in a slightly different order. I have Milan in second, in second spot. I think they'll, yeah, I was gonna they'll find a party well. again. I was going to say the same as you, Kenny, but maybe just for argument's sake, I'll put Roma in there ahead of Atalanta. Yeah, I don't see enough from Juve at the moment to really suggest that there's going to be any consistency. And I think Milan have had that before. I think it's just a case of things starting to click again. Yeah, they've had uh, problems with Benassar in particular being being out. And obviously he's now got COVID, so uh, so maybe not. <laughs> but but yeah, I think when um, when he comes back into the fold, when Milan have settled, when Zlatan's back fighting fit, yeah, I think Milan will probably fit Pip Juve to second. Tafezi, you can tweet us and, and let us know what your prediction is as well. You don't get away so easily. Hmm. Uh, for the, for the just moving on to the next question, uh, Buzz, this is this is one for you from Philip. Um, so, what do we think of Suning's ceasing of operations at Jiangsu? What does it mean for Inter's pro- prospects? And uh, he speculates can't be good news, surely. Yeah, this was uh, pretty spectacular news for me, at least. Uh, for those who don't know it. Um, Suning, who were the owners of Inter, just cancelled their club, who were the champions in China. They also got rid of the youth team and the women's team. Obviously, China is a completely different political system and kind of social system, and these things might be common out there, but for uh, an owner of a club that's been long-lasting like Inter, that kind of makes you fearful. Since then, uh, Suning have um, put out statements in support of Inter, and to be fair, they have a 700 million euro investment. So I imagine that they don't want to kind of throw all that away. It doesn't bode well in the long run, but uh, probably for this season, it can create kind of a siege mentality or us against the world. Kind of reminiscent of possibly the Azzurri in 2006, where no one gave him a chance and suddenly they took it all. Uh, so I think Conte will, be, will use it psychologically in the right way. But after this summer, I'm, I really don't know what's going to happen. Something that had to, has to be said is that Inter is one of these top 10, 15 clubs in the world. And it, it's not going to be hard to find a buyer, let's face it. Yeah, and the, just the amount of revenue that they generate now uh, compared to where they were uh, even just a few years ago, um, that they're a very, very attractive proposition. And also it has to be mentioned that the uh, Saudi Arabian Sovereign Wealth Fund has uh, entered into the, the fray for this as well. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think there will be long-term repercussions for Inter. I think there's more likely to be short-term repercussions. They might struggle to finance the sort of moves that Conte wants this summer. Um, but I think Inter are basically going to be a force um, for, for years to come. I wouldn't be surprised if Conte cut ties with Inter at the end of this year, having achieved his one big achievement. He, he did the same with Chelsea and Juventus and... Uh, Obviously, it depends who the new owners are, but right now he seems intent on ending the season and then we'll see. 
Yeah, uh, and speaking of this summer, uh, Kenny, we've got a question from Hector. Who's, he's, he said that he heard that Spurs might be signing Mikkel Damsgaard of Sampdoria, and he wants to know if he's any good. Well, I mean, he's a scorer of uh, of some great goals. Um, no, but yeah, very, very, uh, very, very useful um, player. I I haven't had that much of an opportunity to see that many game uh, Sampdoria games in their entire entirety uh, this season. But he's one of those players who they just kind of catch your attention and whether whether that means that he kind of has a you know kind of floats in and out of games or um is just always uh, always around i couldn't say but i've seen him score some some absolute crackers so i think spurs fans probably in for some fun if that does go through yeah a, a deli ali-esque volley that he's uh, scored to check out on his youtube highlights we've got a couple of questions from milan obsession Maybe I, I think I need to take the first one. It's what is the government of the podcast? Um, <laughs> she said she's noticed, she thought it was democratic, but has noticed that despite Milan being top of the table for half the season, Boaz has always been reined in. Atalanta get Finally. one bad call, and uh, Kenny pulls a Conte type, Conte like angry rant. <laughs> um, I mean, obviously, the podcast is not a democracy, it's a dictatorship, and what I say goes. So. <laughs> That really answers that one. But I've got another question for you, though. No, we're not going to take any other answers on this one, actually. To be fair, um, Ken, Kenny's rant about, <laughs> Kenny's rant about um, uh, Raymond Freuler's uh, sending off, at the time, I, he made a lot of sense. Since we had the pod, I went back and watched it. And to be honest, the red card was definitely harsh. But I've seen those given, so I understand why it may have been given. Although, to give that kind of... A, advantage to a team like Real Madrid is a little bit criminal for the narrative but yeah Kenny went off and won but I, I love it when Kenny does that <laughs> I'm, I'm <laughs> going to try not to take the the bait on this and just point to the the time in the match I tried uh, I the tried incident happened the uh the position the ball was moving to and whether that constituted a clear goal scoring uh, opportunity uh, and uh, i'm going to i'm going to leave it there uh, the only other thing that i'm going to say is that the number of honorable mentions that zlatan ibrahimovic has received and the number of dishonorable mentions that conte has received perhaps disprove that argument of uh, a uh, reigning in of uh, milan bias on scudetto pod okay um yeah we we've said too much we do. We will answer one other question from Milan Obsession. Though uh, this is Boaz, this is your opportunity to talk about Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Zlatan mentioned that changing the format of the San Remo Festival to a football format would be a good idea. Uh, do you think that would improve the interest in the festival for those outside of Italy? And also, as a, a sub question, how fast VGC ruin that? The VGC would probably ruin it within a matter of days, unfortunately. But it's already kind of. Uh... Excuse my French, but it's a fucked up spectacle as it is. So there's not much to ruin, but at the same time, it's a really splendidly weird concept. I don't think people outside of Italy will ever quite get it, but it's uh, it's kind of like Eurovision on steroids. And uh, <laughs> a scoop that I have for uh, Scudetto listeners is that um, Zlatan, who showed up, he's showing up for four of the six nights, I believe. But today he was due to arrive... Uh, for his usual segment and um apparently there was a, a really bad car crash on the highway to on the way to uh the san remo and zlatan was stuck in traffic so he jumped out of his car and he 
hitched a ride with some dude on a motorbike to get to <laughs> 60 kilometers in San Remo. And apparently he did it in a very quick time. I'm not saying he was speeding or anything, but uh, he may have been speeding. And uh, yeah, so uh, <laughs> Zlatan is, is top quality and San Remo is, uh, is part of Italy. Fantastic stuff. All right. Well, while we're on Zlatan, we've got a question from Ori. And Kenny, you actually you can take this because you engage with it on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> if Latan faced Muhammad Ali in the ring, who would win? I'm just going to give the same answer that I gave on Twitter. On the basis of uh, Zlatan's stand-up performance at uh, Sanremo, I think he'd be sitting down within 10 seconds if he got into a ring with uh, with Ali. I think this question is a little, a little bit more complicated because maybe he means current Muhammad Ali, in which case Zlatan would definitely win. <laughs> yeah. Just saying. Ori has also asked us if Juve will challenge for the title or if Inter will run away with it. I, th- I think we've covered that one. We've got a couple of questions from Viola Club Israel. Uh, this, this one applies to all of us and probably all of football fans everywhere. Why do we watch Calcio if our teams are always disappointing us? Only one team can, can win. So uh, by <laughs> definition, why would anyone support anyone other than uh, Man City, Bayern Munich? PSG, Juve. Uh, I don't know. I don't know why we don't. It's the it's the dream. It's the dream that we keep alive. We enjoy the glorious defeats as much as the victories. Football uh, is a metaphor for life. You sit around and wait for something to happen that won't happen for a long, long time. And a lot of crap goes by. And then all of a sudden there's this jolt and you're like, wow, I'm loving this. And then it all goes back to being crap. And you're just waiting for that next jolt. Buzz, this is definitely one for you. Who's your favorite Serie A club social media team? I've got an honorable mention later for social media, but um, <laughs> for me, uh, social media-wise in Italy, the number one team is is Roma, easily. The, the way they show the goals with these really cool graphics works a wonder. The way they interact with fans is really cool, but my favorite part is that when they're doing their... Um, summer transfers in uh, or the in during the transfer window when they're presenting players they show um videos of missing people around the world and apparently quite a few of these people have been found via these videos so uh, again this is uh, they're using their um voice for a real positive reason and uh, it works as i said they're they're the best at it for me and their english language account was one of the first ones and you can see it yeah agreed definitely agreed on that point we've got Another question from Sigmund. I think we've answered this one, actually, but he's asking about the verdict on Pirlo's season and, and how it compares. Buzz, I think you, you gave some detail on that one already. I'll be real brief. And I mean, again, I find it weird that fans were on Allegri and Sarri's back despite the teams winning in the end, whereas Pirlo is kind of being given time. Having said that, I'm a big fan of Pirlo the man and Pirlo the player. And... Uh, at times this year, we've seen his vision. It's just a matter of getting uh, a few results on the trot. Yeah, I would say that what I said at the start of the season was that I have no doubt that he will become a very, very good manager. This was a very, very bold uh, move for him. It could still work out. It appears he is being given, uh, he is being given time. But uh, who knows? Uh, the verdict on his season so far is that it's not been great, but I don't think you could have expected it to be given that he had never managed at any level before uh he had what like five days or something as uh juve primavera manager so yeah uh, and not a great season so far they could could yet come out winning it though so you know maybe ask us again yeah 
Exactly. And the last question comes from Liz, um, which was more of a task than a question to mm. name our best squad consisting of one player from each Serie A outfit. Um, during the pre-production meeting, we got into an argument about this. Um, <laughs> so we're going to take an extra week to, to give you our final answer. Um, re really enjoyed talking about it. Um, but I think it, you could almost give it its own episode. So, so we'll try and get back to you on that one, Liz. Maybe uh, listeners want to give it a go as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, we could maybe we can have a little section on it next week if we, we get a few responses. Uh, so, without further ado, we'll, we'll go on to the honourables and dishonourable mentions section. Take it away, Buzz. Yeah, I wanted to give an honourable mention to Paul Gascoigne, who is uh, one of the contestants on uh, "I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here," the Italy edition, with a bunch of YouTubers and showgirls and really like B-rate celebrities and this player who's played a semi-final of a World Cup. Apparently his rider, he requested a fishing rod and two beers, two cans of lager. <laughs> <laughs> and Kenny, you alluded to this one earlier, but give us the detail on Gasparini's comments on Ilicic. Uh, so basically he said uh, that Ilicic had a very high level of performance, a very good performance. Um, if he kind of trains consistently consistently at a high level uh, and doesn't behave like a grandmother then uh, that's that's when i'll call him the professor uh, so i'll just leave it at that <laughs> yeah um supposedly he, he behaves like a grandmother because he complains about being tired all the time i think that, that's the analogy i don't know too much about the characteristics of italian grandmas but i think that's what it is buzz what was the social media one that you previewed so I'm almost going to give a dishonorable mention to uh, Genoa, the team, for not, for not fielding six starters in their game against top-of-the-table Inter at San Siro because they were playing the derby. Keen listeners may have noticed we didn't mention the Genoa derby at all in this episode because it was a boring game and worth, not worth mentioning. So almost a dishonorable, but I have to give an honorable mention to whoever is running the, the, whoever the admin of the Genoa English uh, account is. Because they they were kind of um, given a real um, uh, emotional breakdown of Inter's second goal, and they're like they're just too good for us right now. These, that's why they're <laughs> top of the table. <laughs> like a lot of poetic liberty there. Okay, one more honourable and one more dishonourable each. Uh, Kenny, you've got one for Sansone's goal. Yeah, Sansone's goal against uh, against Lazio. Uh, just a, a well for starters, a really wonderful move that included a lovely lofted through ball. Uh, Musa Barro pulled back a uh, great cross into a really dangerous area, but then Sansone does some uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic style acrobatics. Perfect technique, wonderful volley, uh, top corner, unstoppable. Uh, check it out on YouTube. And Buzz, your last honourable. Bernardeschi often gets a lot of slack by us, by Twitter, by a lot of Juventus fans. But uh, in their game against Spezia, he uh, came on in the 60th minute and he turned the game. He set up uh, one of the goals. He was influential in one of the other goals. And all around, this was the performance, the reason why Juventus signed him from Fiorentina in the first place. I hope he returns because he played quite well for the Azzurri in the, in the few occasions that he did. And he seems like a player that's getting ruined at Juventus right now. Yep, yeah, uh, and with that, we move on to the dishonorables. Uh, Kenny, you've got one for Koulibaly. Yeah, so this is for Koulibaly in the Napoli-Benevento game at the weekend, which Napoli actually won 2-0. But Napoli were 2-0 up, uh, and then uh, an unfortunate chain of events happened. First of all, the ball <laughs> fell to Koulibaly, who, who did not even have to jump. 
to meet the ball with his head about five yards out of goal, center of the goal, somehow managed to put the ball past the post. And then uh, minutes later, uh, already being on a yellow card with Napoli 2-0 up and 10 minutes to go uh, in the Benevento half, decided to absolutely put in a, a, a crunching tackle, got himself a second yellow card and ascending off. And I just want to know why. It wasn't even really a tackle, was it? I mean, it just... no, it was, it was just a lunge, <laughs> just a lunge into the back of his knees. Uh, surprisingly, Gattuso didn't look too irritated with him, uh, sort of slapping him on the back at the end. Anyway, Buzz, your your last dishonorable. This might be an unpopular opinion since the whole of uh, cultural Twitter and a lot of uh, fans have been really excited about this uh, Netflix Roberto Baggio biopic that uh, the trailer came out recently. Personally, I think it looks awful. Uh, it makes a shot of glory starring Ali McCoy look like uh, the Godfather or something. <laughs> Football films rarely work because the, the the way the action happens is just doesn't translate to people recreating it. And the shot of Donadoni playing Baggio through into the, in the through ball, it just looks like a five-a-side game my son was playing. So... Um, <laughs> For me, it's a definite dishonorable, and this movie is going to be rubbish. All anyone who has any hopes that it's going to be good is really delusional. Uh, spoiler alert: He misses the penalty. Yeah, yeah. The whole trailer is based around this penalty. We all know what's happened. We know this guy, and <laughs> and honestly, the the actor they picked looks nothing looks nothing like him. You can't just stick someone like give him a fancy wig, and he's Roberto Baggio. Come on. But I believe that Arrigo Saki does look very much like James Richardson. So um, there's that to look forward to. And the accent's yeah, all wrong. That'd be an excellent biopic. I mean, I'm going to watch it, but but it's going to be Car Crash TV. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Um, all right, that definitely is all we've got time for this week. If you don't already, please subscribe to our podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your audio. We'll speak to you next week. Until then, enjoy the football. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.